Hello and welcome to the third episode of The Existential Expat. On this episode I'll be joined by the lovely Georgia. Um, she's a very talented photographer, so if you ever fancy getting a portrait taken by her, definitely look her up. You can do so on Instagram under the name gtakesphotos. Um, thank you so much for wanting to come on this podcast, Georgia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, the funny thing about you is that um, you're currently not an expat. No. <laughs> so what on earth are you doing here? I've just invaded your podcast. You literally yeah. have, yeah. Because you couldn't be more British, could you? No, no. <laughs> so yeah, but there is of course a reason why you have joined me and that is because you've gone to Singapore. Yes. And you went there for a month? Yeah, so? five weeks-ish. Five, yeah. When, when was that? Um, so that was summer 2019, so the summer just gone, and that was part of a summer study abroad programme that um, my university offers as part of like a first generation scholars scheme, so you get a bursary to go and study abroad, so I picked Singapore and then loved it so much that I'm hoping to go back hey. for a whole year. <laughs> that sounds really good. So how many people were were going? Was it just you or...? Um, so it was part of quite a large group of us. I think there were about 10 to 15 people from Sussex. So we all went together to Singapore, but our university funds people to go to um, a university in Malaysia and a university in China as well. Um, but the one in Singapore just stuck out the most and it's a scholarship based scheme. So I just thought I might as well make the most of it, even though I didn't have any plans to like go abroad while I was at university like when I actually started applying. Very cool. So what was it like a, a, a school you actually went to or was it more like, yeah, I don't know, something else? Yeah, so it was quite snazzy. Um, the university is called Nanyang Technological University and it's like 11th in the world on the QS rankings and one of the top in the world for media, which is what I study. So at first I thought that looks really cool on my CV, so I'm going to go. Um, so you live on a university campus and you do an intensive course that the university usually teaches as a 12 week module, but they teach you in about four weeks. Wow. So it's really intense study, but it's also quite a nice opportunity to travel as well, especially if you're a first generation scholar who hasn't really studied abroad or traveled abroad much. So yeah, just making the most of it. So what, what, what were you studying when you went there? So I studied a course called Social Marketing um, and then the subtitle of the course was Making This World a Better Place. Um, so it was basically about how you can use business marketing techniques um, for social issues to create social change. So how you can nudge people's behaviours, for example, to encourage them to have better habits environmentally or socially or improving things like drink driving and things like that. So it was basically a course on just how to fix the world, essentially. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like something for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was very on brand. For the <laughs> Do you have any highlights of the trip? Because I could imagine that in a month, quite a lot of things could mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, I think like the whole month was kind of a highlight, really. But um, just getting to live abroad, because I had never even considered it as little as about five months before we went. Um, and just like how much it sort of changed my like very Western perspective on things and the amount of people that you get to meet as well. Because um, I'm sure you know, like going to a university that's got so many international students, you meet people from everywhere. And it was like being at Sussex's international environment, but like 
on steroids. It was massive because the only people on campus were from different countries. Um, so there were no home students there at the time because it was the university summer break. So all the friends I made were like Canadian, um, Australian, coming from places like Dubai as well. It was just really wonderful to meet all these people that I'd have never crossed paths with otherwise. That's really cool. Did you get to meet locals as well or was it just mainly people? Yeah, so the people who taught us were um, local professors who were teaching at the university or like visiting academics. Um, So it was great to be taught by people from Singapore as well. Um, We didn't actually have a huge amount of interaction with students from Singapore, but um, I did do quite a lot of solo trips around the city and around the country, um, sort of just on my own wandering around the city. And the city's got quite the city has like really nice social environments because mostly you eat communally in hawker centres. So if I was solo traveling one day and I just went to stop for lunch or dinner, I'd stop at a table and just have a chat with some people who were local to the area or I'd talk to the people actually serving the food. And that's just really nice because you just get to hear lots of random life stories and it was really lovely. Do you remember any of those life stories? Yeah, I'm gonna get this wrong, but one guy that I sat opposite on a table was I don't know if it was working in a navy or some sort of thing like a some sort of transportation thing but he was basically on ships a lot between Singapore and um London and Manchester weirdly <laughs> so we were talking cuz he recognized my british accent and was like oh i spent lots of time over there so <laughs> we were talking about like what he did and he in the space of like 20 minutes it took me to eat this bowl of chips he basically told me his whole life story we were talking about one time that he'd visited Brighton, so um, I was asking him like what bits of Brighton he remembered, like the pier and stuff, and it was just so lovely because, I mean, it's probably going against all travel advice to not talk to strangers, but luckily, <laughs> luckily every time I did, it was in a very public place and it just worked out so nicely and I met like the really loveliest people. Yeah, because I'm thinking like when you do go travelling, I think an important part is to talk to people that you don't really know, of course be yeah. safe. Mm -hmm. but it's just such a great experience to meet so many different people from all around the world so yeah but you you were not only in Singapore you also Mm -hmm. went traveling right while you were in Singapore yeah a little bit a bit less than I wanted to but um me and one other girl who came from Sussex as well we went to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia for one weekend um and that was a very spontaneously planned trip um we stayed in a hostel and got to meet some people who were around the same age as us um doing like their bit of like traveling on a gap year and stuff like that um so it was another way to like meet people and it was really nice but i think if i was comparing um Kuala Lumpur with like the city in Singapore i think i felt the safest in the city there and people felt really welcoming there and it was a bit easier to have conversations with people because um, in KL it was less of the like communal eating vibe and we were just doing the tourist bubble, going around doing the sightseeing, whereas in Singapore I was sort of living as a bit more of a local, so actually getting to interact with people who were from the area and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so what would you say is like your favourite thing about Singapore? I think one thing I learned to love was the food. Mm. Um, The first day that we got there, so I travelled with about 10 of the other Sussex students and we all got to campus after 18 hours of travelling. 
we were exhausted, we were just sweating and I literally felt like I could faint. So somebody went and got me food from one of the hawker centres on campus and the only vegetarian thing they could find was like rice and I think it was cabbage. <laughs> that, that was it. Nice. That was the only thing. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to survive for a month because I couldn't see any vegetarian food to begin with. But then when you find it, it's really good. And I just, yeah, the food was great. And I miss the food. I can't wait to have the food again. <laughs> <laughs> Soon. Soon. <laughs> have you made any of the food while you've been home now? I've tried to, but really badly. And I've probably butchered recipes. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. There's a dish called bihoon, which is pretty much like a noodle sort of stir fry with certain like um, seasonings and stuff that I've tried to make. And I've been to like the Asian supermarkets trying to find things that were over there that you can't get over here, but not to a lot of success. So (laughs) that's a shame. (laughs) So what did you find? Like when you arrived there, what were like your first impression? Would you say? Um, my first impression was basically this country is too hot. I'm getting on a plane and going back <laughs> um, because I was wearing like full length trousers and a like long sleeve shirt on the flight and I got off and oh my god like <laughs> I could not handle it and the first night being there and after not eating much I was just like sweating feeling gross and I was like I can't deal with this for a whole month but um I think I climatized eventually. <laughs> but yeah, my first impression was it's way too hot. That was my main... The main thing I was concerned with for the first week was, oh my God, it's so hot. Where is the nearest water fountain? Like, can I have a shower every <laughs> half an hour? Yeah. <laughs> Did you then have a shower every half hour? Pretty much. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Besides that, what, what did you find the most challenging about moving abroad? Mm-hmm. I think because it was for quite a short term it was easier than a lot of people's experiences moving abroad um but I did definitely get quite homesick after about two weeks I think when you get to a new place you're sort of too excited to think about things a lot of the time and you're just getting involved with like sightseeing and settling in and you don't really think much about the fact that you've just moved halfway across the world and then suddenly it all settles down and you think oh I'm really far away Mm. (laughs) and especially being that far away from England at the time it was on a seven hour time difference and when the clocks change it's eight hour time difference so it's a it's really difficult to stay in contact with people so I would be ringing people at like 10 11 p.m over in Singapore and I should be going to sleep just because um, it's the only time that people were awake and not at work or at school back at home um, so I think that's one thing that I'll struggle with going on a year abroad is trying to keep up those contacts with people at home and trying to stay connected to everyone at home, like friends and family, because it is really far away and you do forget about the time difference. So I think the time difference is definitely the most challenging because it's it's a very long way to go and then it's very hard to keep in contact with people. Yeah, makes sense, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so when you got there, did you experience any culture shock Or did you get used to everything pretty easily? I think when I got there, I got used to stuff quite quickly. Um, And I think the excitement of everything sort of meant that I I didn't feel too much culture shock being there. Um, I'd say one way in which I was sort of like taken aback by the way things are there was um, just how people interact with people on a daily basis. I'm not too sure how to word it, but 
um like in Brighton we say thank you to the people on the buses and I'll get off and say like have a nice day and stuff mm-hmm. and you'll maybe have a chat with somebody on the street um and I did not have that at all and one time I tried to say thank you to the guy running the campus shuttle bus and he just looked at me like, why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you you don't really communicate with people you don't need to. Um, and I don't know whether that was just because the only people on campus were stressed students <laughs> and not wanting to talk to people. But um, there's definitely like a culture of efficiency there and things like the, the laws and customs as well were a bit... Um, it took a little while to get used to some things, so I technically broke the law when we first got there because I drank some water on the train platform, and you're not allowed to drink water oh, wow. on the trains or on the platforms. No, f- like no food is you get that in other places, but no water. I was like, Jeez. how am I gonna survive? It's so hot. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but apart from that, I don't think I was too shocked by anything going there it was more like coming back in the reverse culture shock yeah i'm sorry but but do you know why you weren't allowed to to drink water i don't actually know (laughs) i think it makes sense when you go there because the transport is so clean like Mm. everything in the city is so just immaculate and nice looking and so you've got the law about um not eating and drinking on public transport there's also things like chewing gum is illegal so you don't realize like how disgusting the streets are in britain because it's just like paved with chewing gum and you don't get that there and it's it's quite nice like it's a major change i think but it was a nice change to sort of be somewhere so clean and then i came back and was like england is gross (laughs) (laughs) but yeah talking about you coming back like when the time came and there was like well, a few days until you had to go. Mm-hmm. Were you looking forward to coming back or were you like, oh no, I just want to stay a little bit longer? Yeah, I definitely wanted to stay longer. Um, I kind of wished that I had booked some sort of travelling afterwards as well on my way back home, something like that. So I got back on like the 28th of July and then I moved back into a house in Brighton on the 31st. So there wasn't much time like to sort of wind down from having done a month of really crazy stuff. I just went straight into doing another thing. Um, so I was really excited to come home and like literally be at home for like 24 hours and then move back to Brighton. But, um, it was a bit, I don't know, it was a bit strange because suddenly I was in like three different contexts at once within one week. And I'd gotten so used to just like doing something like in terms of traveling every single day. And you sort of go from like this place where you're doing something new and really exciting every day to coming back to sort of British culture that is not as exciting (laughs) um so in terms of like reverse culture shock coming back um two days after I got back from Singapore I moved back to Brighton I only stayed in Brighton for about four days and then I went back home for the month again um back to London and disregarding like those few days in Brighton which were really great because I was moving back and like settling into the new house and doing stuff around Brighton it felt really weird and disjointed sort of going from like traveling and studying this really cool subject every day to coming back to London and not necessarily having much to do. And I think I really struggled with that because I suddenly felt very empty because I had well over a month, maybe even two months until um, university back at Sussex started again. And I had no commitments or anything. And I'd gone from doing something literally every hour and something really different and new and exciting to doing like nothing at all. Um, 
and I did do bits like over summer when I came back but it was just very like abrupt like coming back from that and then it was like back to reality very quickly um and Sussex has some like resources on reverse culture shock I was looking through and I didn't realize it was like a a sort of university like experienced Mm. thing of coming back um because I felt like it felt quite entitled to be like a bit miserable about coming home I was like I should be really happy to be (laughs) home and I I should recognise I was lucky enough to have that month abroad, but it is quite like a mental adjustment to go from doing something so different and then coming back again. So, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. And and it is definitely a universal thing because I remember when I had gone to the UK for half a year and then came back home to Denmark, the two months I was home until I went back here, (laughs) I was literally just miserable, Just, just constantly like, oh, my God nothing has changed no one's yeah. doing anything <laughs> oh, I just feel like such a new person <laughs> no, no yeah, one understands thing. <laughs> into words yeah it feels a bit like selfish almost mm. um because the people that I'd gone on the summer school with so I'd obviously had that experience with people that were coming back to England but we all went home for the summer and at uni we only meet up like once or twice a month maybe so it does feel really weird to like come back with all these new experiences but nobody you know has like done the same things and you can't really talk about obviously people want to know what happened but once you've had like that conversation when you see someone for the first time again they very quickly get fed up if you guys <laughs> and so it sort of feels like even though it was just the summer I feel like I'm always like so on my gap here like, like being one of those people yeah and, no yeah. I, I completely understand and I, I remember coming home and I was like oh why is no one asking me about my experiences yeah. more? Like, I, I've told them about it, but I feel like there's so much more to say. Yeah. And and I don't think anyone gets it. And to be honest, like, when other people talk about their abroad experiences, I'm a bit like, okay. Because mm-hmm. can't, you can't relate to it in that sense. But, like, I completely get where you're coming from. But, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird thing, isn't it? It like, is really weird. You come back with... I don't, it sounds really cliche like you come back a bit of a changed person you like do. no matter what traveling you do and it's just it's something you want to bang on about a lot especially if it was something that you enjoyed so much mm. so yeah it'll be very interesting to see how you react after your next year abroad because yeah. that's <laughs> even longer time and like I remember during the first half year I was like I came home I felt like nothing had changed mm-hmm. and then now that I've lived here for almost four years oh my god Uh, and and I come home I'm like oh wait things do change people do grow up and stuff happens even though I didn't think it would Mm -hmm. but it definitely does and that that's weird that's also a very weird experience because then you like you feel a bit out of place because you come home and you're like well I don't really fit in like a lot's changed at home and it's not really like your childhood home you go back to yeah 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 Yeah, so that's weird so good luck Mm. Uh, (laughs) um so yeah but but you are yeah going back in like half a year or so yeah um, for a year um so so what made you want to go back because I remember you saying to me before you went for that month um you were like oh if I if I get to do this then I don't want to go on a year abroad in uni so what changed yeah (laughs) a lot changed I guess um Yeah, so my plan was to, like, do that summer school and then come back and just finish my degree because 
I thought like that was my sort of study abroad experience, I don't have to move away for any longer and I didn't really think I'd enjoy it as much as I did. Um, like when we were getting the train to the airport I was actually like I've made like a huge mistake I don't actually want to do this and I was really hoping it would be over so quickly so I can just say I've done it and move on um and then I didn't expect to enjoy it as much um so part of it was just realizing how much I got out of being in that environment um I don't know whether I just enjoyed like the idea of being abroad or the idea of being at that university specifically because like that uni was amazing and I can't wait to go back but um I think also I had, I don't know if it was connected to the reverse culture shock, maybe a little bit at the start, but I had quite like a mental health dip, like in the autumn semester after the summer school. And alongside that mental health dip, I had like a total crisis about what I wanted to do with my life. Hey. <laughs> so this I was, is why you're on this podcast. Hey. That's the existential part. Exactly. I'm, I'm the existential, but not the expat. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a job um, because that summer school had changed my mind a bit about what I wanted to do. Um, and it also scared me the thought of going into a full-time job. And like with the like climate crisis impending and everything, I didn't feel like my modules in the rest of my degree at Sussex 100% align with what I wanted to do anymore with like those new values um whereas the university in Singapore does offer modules that are more directed towards like creating change and stuff like that um also with student finance England you get a maximum of five years of funding so I <laughs> I had an extra year of funding to use <laughs> might as well yeah and I, I kind of thought like when else am I going to get the opportunity for like a government to pay for me to go abroad for a whole year and I'm lucky enough that if I'm careful with my money and I don't overspend on anything and like I'm very sensible and not like not first class flights and fancy accommodation and stuff um my student loan will cover me going there for a whole year and so I just kind of thought like if I don't do that I'm going to regret it because I'm never going to be able to like move abroad for a year to, to just study and not work ever I'm never gonna mm. have that money to do it so as sad as it makes me to like not be graduating with a lot of friends and to be moving away from Brighton because I love Brighton just as much it was just like a, a, a not once in a lifetime because I have done it but like <laughs> no but a whole, whole year is something yeah, different I think is, yeah and just just I'm saying that but um just a month you know yeah like it's less of the sightseeing and more of the actually living there yeah, I think exactly. not being so much of a tourist yeah. so so yeah. do you know where you'll be living once you get there do you like will you be in yeah. student accommodation or I'll be going back into student accommodation um I stayed in student accommodation there last summer and it's all on campus it was really nice but it was empty because it was summer so I was one of four people in the whole block so it was really nice and quiet I don't know what it will be like living with actual like, <laughs> students. Um, I don't know whether there's such a partying culture like there is in England. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Um, I think the main difference is it's all twin bedrooms mm. or mostly twin bedrooms. Um, so That's going to be intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a month it was okay. Um, yeah. And I had a really lovely roommate, but I think... I'm worried I maybe just got lucky yeah. <laughs> and I could have like a really horrible messy roommate who oh, brings people over all the time and leaves the light on when I want to sleep and stuff like that's really complicated and I definitely take a single room in England for granted so. 
Well, it'll probably make some great stories anyway. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> I think it's only a year. Yeah. <laughs> and will that be only with like international students, or will that be uh, with locals? I'm not well? actually too sure. I think you can get paired with both home students and international students, but they kick you out around Christmas, and you have to reapply for the next term. Mm. But I also don't get to choose as an exchange student what accommodation I go into. Okay. Some of it's not air conditioned. So <laughs> like all the fingers crossed that I do get an air yeah. room. But yeah. Oh fingers crossed for you, definitely. <laughs> um so talk me through the whole process of applying to go for a year abroad and especially applying to go to Singapore as well, because that's not mm-hmm. one of the easier options, is it? Yeah, so in terms of Sussex's study abroad, I think a lot of universities sometimes only let you study abroad for a year if you've applied to do a course that includes it. So often it's like a compulsory year abroad where your grades count. But if you are a very last minute person like me, you just <laughs> you apply for a voluntary study year abroad and voluntary or voluntary? Don't ask me, I'm a foreigner here. (laughs) You should know this. I don't know know how I passed English. um, Yeah, so you volunteered to go on a study abroad year, basically. And then when you start your second year, you start going about the process of getting a reference from your academic advisor and you write a few questions. You write a few answers to questions about why you want to go, what you'll get out of it. Um can you commit to sort of being an ambassador for Sussex while you're over there so it wasn't as intense as some university abroad schemes are I think you do have to write essays and apply to the abroad university as well at some places um whereas with Sussex we've got a partnership with that university so they fund like four places over there per year um which is quite competitive because other destination unis from Sussex can have up to maybe 10 or more places Mm. so there's a lot more room for people to go so I wasn't actually sure I was going to get it but I just thought I'll apply and I'll try and if I don't that's okay I'll just I don't really want to go anywhere else it would just be to go back there um and I also thought that having been on the summer school that might disadvantage me because I've already been but I think it kind of worked in my favor because it showed that I have experience of like studying abroad and that I can sort of cope with that environment So, yeah, and then you get an offer letter, which came through about a week and a half ago, I think. And then now I've got all the fun of sorting out insurance and visas and stuff. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) The best. So, do grades matter at all when applying? Yeah, you have to have maintained, I think, a 60% in your first year. And then you have to maintain, it just says, a good level of academic performance in your second year. So you could get the confirmation, but if you fail all of your spring term modules, they might boot you off. So oh. now I've got to actually pass <laughs> this term. I can't really relax. So. No. I, should, I mean, you will pass. There's no doubt about it. So <laughs> so what, what are you most looking forward to now that um, you're going again? I think sort of getting to live there is more of a person living there rather than a tourist because... I definitely did the summer school partly to do some sightseeing and traveling and to say that I visited like Southeast Asia. So it would be nice to not be doing things under time pressure because on the summer school, 
every weekend was like, okay, let's go, go, go. Like we've got to go and do all these things. This is our checklist for the day. We want to go to this destination and this island and stuff. Um, whereas I can sort of chill out a bit and um, also focus on studying a bit more. So I think the like second year of uni has stressed me out so much because I've been working alongside studying a lot and dealing with a whole lot of stuff and when I go abroad I'm not allowed to work on a student visa (laughs) so it means I physically cannot do as much work as I'm doing right now so it's quite a nice opportunity to just study and just be a student again because at the moment I'm like student slash this slash that as well and Mm. there's a lot of extra things that I'm doing on top of full-time study so it'll be nice to sort of just sort of seal myself off a bit and do some like nerdy reading that I love (laughs) (laughs) that sounds really good can I ask you a question? Yeah. What made you decide to apply to uni in England after having, because obviously you lived here for a little while before, mm. so you had experience of England. What made you want to like stay and do a degree? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are many, many reasons for that. So basically, the reason why I came to the UK in the first place was because I'd always wanted to study over here why exactly I don't really know (laughs) I think I've just always like been wanting to like get away a little bit and like experience something different and then I really I went to the UK for the first time when I was like 13 Mm -hmm. and I really liked it I really loved London loved the fact there was such a like buzz and Mm -hmm. so many different people there so I was like okay one day I'm gonna move there and then throughout my high school or sixth form or whatever you want to call it I was like discussing with my family the fact that I really wanted to go um, and the fact that I wanted to study over here, but they were a bit, you know, they, they weren't that fond of the idea because mm-hmm. it is a lot of money um, and in Denmark it's free to go to uni. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, and I think they did the right thing by advising me to just stay um, and then my mum was like, oh, you should, you should go abroad, um, for like, uh, your gap year and go there and then you can, you know, you've experienced it and then you can come back mm-hmm. <laughs> and study. And then, yeah, I just never did. <laughs> uh, cause then, yeah, came back after, came back to Denmark after six months over here and as I told you, was miserable, mm-hmm. wanted to go back, went back and then sort of got stuck, then met. Uh, my partner and then I was just like yeah no I'm I'm gonna stay here for now Um, and it it gotten to the point where I'd taken three gap years so I was like well I do want to do something now that (laughs) I enjoy more than working in a cafe even though it was nice Mm -hmm. but you know I wanted to do something else Um, so yeah that that's how (laughs) it was just I think I've just learned that uh, life just happens and you just gotta roll with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm I think trying we to both, do. Right? Like, we've both done different abroad experiences but sort of fell into them. Mm. And I don't know, to different like extents of whether it was intentional or not. But I don't know, I think with me, like I didn't plan on going abroad and now I am and now I'm going there for a long time. Yeah. Um, or a long time for me. That's not long in like mm. the scope of how long you've been here. But um It's still a long yeah. time. Still a long time. Yeah. yeah. Would <laughs> so, you ever consider staying there for longer? I actually would. Like if somebody offered me a job out there and was like, Do you wanna move? 
I would say yes in a heartbeat if I did not have like friends and family back mm. here. I think that's the only problem is if it wasn't if it was only like a few hours away, it's okay, mm. and a bit less for carbon footprint away. <laughs> I would yeah. move and come back regularly, but where it does take like a full like including the airport waiting times and everything, it's like twenty four hours door to door, and wow. it's pretty long and expensive mm. and. A huge long haul flight as well. I don't yeah. think I could justify moving out there unless I suddenly became totally estranged from everyone I knew. So, mm. yeah, but I would love to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's difficult, isn't it? That whole family and friends thing. It's yeah. really annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> these people who like us, like <laughs> I know. It's like whenever I get home, it's like, oh, so when when are you coming home? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm like I yeah. don't know <laughs> do you ever kind of wish you could bring people over here like, yeah keep everyone in the same place yes yeah. absolutely all the time yeah I'm telling all my friends to move here <laughs> but they are they're obviously not going to um and that's probably very good because mm-hmm. I get I do get the best of both worlds because mm-hmm. I get to have friends over here and I get to have family in Denmark and friends in Denmark and I get to experience both countries um even though I live mainly here yeah, yeah, so I'm very lucky. That's how I like to look at it. Just Hannah lucky. Montana. Oh yes. Yeah. It's a hundred percent Hannah Montana life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Why did you not consider going anywhere else that rather than Singapore? Now that you already mm. went to Singapore once, what made you just say no? It's that's that's going to be the place for me. Um, so I was actually looking at doing a summer school in Amsterdam in 2020, but um, it was quite limited the chances of getting in on a scholarship. Um, and I think if I had like an infinite source of money to do so, I would do a lot of travelling like that. But at the moment, it's very dependent on where I can get funding for through like student finance or through like scholarship programmes and stuff. So it would have been really nice to go to another country, but unfortunately living expenses um so another university I did apply to was uni of Oslo in Norway and I'm kind of glad that I didn't get that which was my first choice because it's very expensive to live like just slightly higher than Brighton and Brighton's already Mm. more than enough to be paying (laughs) for uni um and I also did apply to Hong Kong and I really liked the idea of going to university in Hong Kong. Um, it would have been to a place called CUHK and it's a really gorgeous campus, but unfortunately it's just the timing of it with all of the um, like things happening politically and the, um, the protests happening, which I totally support, but it's some, it might not be the safest environment to go to. Um, so around the time I was writing my study abroad application, the exact day that I finished finalising the Hong Kong section, um, there were a lot of protests that um, happened on campus because police started invading that campus and throwing tear gas around and it was very scary because some Sussex students were currently there. So I'd sort of set my heart on Hong Kong and that happened and it feels quite selfish to be a bit upset about it. but. Um, I think I'm really happy with the idea of going back to Singapore and it feels really nice to go back to somewhere that I already know. Um, And if given the chance, I'd love to go around Southeast Asia to other places like Hong Kong while I'm out there, but none of the universities except for CUHK were a very good match for me. And yeah, just unfortunately, like the timing of everything, but 
I'm hoping. Like, Hong Kong is still a very safe place to live, but I think the university might be a bit concerned about sending more students there, and also family weren't too keen on the idea of me going to somewhere with a lot of instability at the moment, so, yeah. yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. Well... Good luck with everything. Thank you. Once you go to Singapore. <laughs> so exciting for you. Um, Please win the lottery and come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> if you send me money, I will. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, stu- no, student loans, no. <laughs> we don't do the trick, I'm no. afraid. Um, but yeah, just one last time. If you want to see some of George's pictures from Singapore, go to our Instagram. They're really good. And also, if you, you need portrait photos or anything go look her up at g takes photos that's g-e-e takes photos yes (laughs) you've been listening to the existential expat